Welcome to the Road to 7 podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. Welcome back to the Road to 7 with Sheila Cummins. It is an absolute pleasure to connect with you today and thank you for choosing to listen to me and to listen to us. Today, I have an incredible interview for you. Her name is Andrea Henry, and if you haven't met her and you aren't following her, you need to go and find her right now. Today, we talk about her unbelievable business growth journey and how she has been able to grow her business exponentially over the last few years, going from corporate to stepping out and running her own law firm. Andrea is a mom of three, a lover of wine, and a Cambridge-educated business lawyer with more than a decade of experience working with businesses of all sizes and at every stage of the entrepreneurial journey. She's the daughter of an entrepreneur and is pretty much obsessed about all things business. When she started her firm, she had a laptop, three clients, and a lot of hustle, growing her business to six figures in under a year. Andrea loves helping women protect their beautiful businesses that gives them the freedom and agency they crave so they can grow with confidence. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that you are an incredibly busy woman with a thriving law practice. And, you know, I think your journey to where you are today is just so amazing. And there's so many lessons in it for all of the listeners of the Road to Seven podcast. So first off, thank you for coming today and welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start your business in the first place. So it's funny, my girlfriends and I, who are also business owners, joke about this. So, you know, when people get the award speech and they say, well, you know, I had this inspired vision to do X, Y, Z. And sometimes the reality is, actually, I had three kids and they needed (laughs) more space, right? Right. It's a little bit of both. So I've always been a lawyer. I started off as a litigator Mm -hmm. and I saw so many people get into trouble over, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more for things that had they spoken to someone for maybe 20 minutes, they could have avoided. And so I was really interested in the preventative side of things. I've always been fascinated by business. And so really I wanted a practice that was going to help business owners both avoid those problems, but also reach out towards their dreams and figure out how you can use the law to get closer to where you want to be um, in your business. And my sweet spot is women who are moving from six figures to seven figures, that growth phase where your business becomes more complicated and more things to deal with is kind of where I like to be. So that's the higher level. On a practical level, I Mm -hmm. had three kids. Law firms are notorious for really long hours and not great life-work balance. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to actually see my children while they were younger. And so it was important to me to have my own firm so that I could be the mom that I wanted to be. Um, I also realized that children are really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) That they are. (laughs) And so I was like, no, I actually do need to own a business so that I can afford them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came, And the third thing would be deep down, very much a person who likes security. Um, mm-hmm. It's no surprise the field that I'm in. And some people might think that's odd if you're an entrepreneur. But to me, the most security you can have is for you to have control over your income and mm-hmm. to not have to report to a boss and not to have an internal structure that decides 
whether you get promoted, how much you get paid. So the ultimate security to me is is having your own thing and being able to be directly responsible for what it is you do and how much you make. Yeah, I love that. Um, as a litigator working, did you work in a firm then first? I did. Yeah. How, how did that experience help set you up for success of going out on your own? From the legal point of view, it was great to see all of the mistakes Mm -hmm. because now I can say, look, I saw these are the fault lines. These are where things tend to happen. And that informs my advice to clients who are now starting a business or who are in growth phase. From the firm um, perspective, I mean, when I was when I was a a baby lawyer in the first few years, I, I don't know that I was paying that much attention to firms, to the business side of things. The big thing I think I took away was I did not want to be like the traditional law firm. And so when I started the firm, I started with a business partner. And how we actually started, we would meet, I met up for coffee during one of my maternity leaves, and we would just complain about how things were too stuffy and clients Mm -hmm. didn't feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. we didn't feel comfortable and we didn't need to use this really rigid language. So I guess kind of learning what not to do (laughs) is what informed it more. And the more I was myself in my business, the more my business grew. You know, I think that's such an important point, and especially for the for the listeners who are either still in corporate and toying with the idea of starting their own company, or those who have gone from corporate and are taking that skill set and monetizing it, you know, taking the best practices and then yeah. emulating it and personalizing it, that's kind of the number one key to success. Yes. You know, take what you like, leave what you don't, and then use that as a differentiator of why people should come and use a boutique service-based business versus a larger corporate agency. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, So let's talk about that moment where you were like, all right, corporate, thank you very much. I'm done with you. I am choosing my children and I'm choosing home. How did you get the ball going and start getting the momentum and getting a first few clients in the door? So when I left, I left with two clients. Two clients said they would come with me. So um, so that helped. I mean, there were small clients. It wasn't enough to pay my bills, but yeah. someone had said, okay, I'll come with you. I networked a lot. Yes. But I really didn't have anything else. Well, you're like <laughs> the queen of networking. <laughs> so, and it was because I didn't know that much about business. And so right. for me, it was, I'm going to go to all these seminars. I'm going to get as much information as I can. And it's wonderful because my target clients are here as well because yeah. I'm working with business owners. So I'm both, yeah. you know, networking and learning and, and meeting new people. And then initially when I started, I didn't have um, a whole lot of childcare. So most of my meetings were our networking events were with other moms during the day. Right. And after I went to maybe four or five of them, I was like, hmm, there are never any lawyers here. And these are all women who have businesses and some of them had thriving businesses, but didn't have lawyers. And I thought, huh, well, what if I could, you know, be their lawyer? And it'd be great because we have so many things in common. I don't have to hide the fact that I have kids, which you do sometimes in corporate. You're kind of expected to just be there. Um, I can bring my whole self to work and I can help these people and I can sort of practice in a way that makes sense for me and is joyful for me. And so that's where it started. Not amazing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about networking. I mean, I always think about you when I think about a master networker. I am not someone who does well networking. I'm, uh, I'm very shy. I, I can initiate conversation with one person, but yeah. I 
think I kind of put people off because I go deep right away. Like I don't really like small talk. <laughs> I'm not about the yeah. weather. I'm not about, you know, how was your commute here? Like yeah. that's, I really love talking about things with substance. And I think at a networking event, that kind of puts some people off. Yes. But you, my friend, are the queen of networking. <laughs> Tell us how you work that room. What is your hit? What is your secret? Oh my goodness, if Andrea from 2015 could hear you, she'd be like, what? Are you talking about the same person? So I was a really reluctant networker at first. Mm -hmm. I too am an introvert um, and prefer smaller groups of people. And I think that's what helped. I I allowed myself to not have to meet everyone. And so for me, the test of a successful networking event is to have met one, maybe two people that I was able to form a connection with. I was not trying to work the whole room. I wasn't trying to like give out cards, Mm -hmm. one to two people. And I'm just curious by nature. So I ask a lot of questions. People like to talk about themselves, right? So I'm asking questions and they're like, oh, you're a brilliant conversationalist. I haven't said anything, but I've asked a lot of questions about what it is that they're doing. And because I am genuinely interested in how did you come up with this business idea? How do you get your clients? You know, if it's an event with, with other moms, the perennial question, how do you balance your business and your kids? How do you deal with mom guilt? Yeah. So I'm genuinely curious in the, in the answers to those questions. So I just ask questions and people, people like to have an opinion and are, and are usually happy when someone is interested in hearing their opinion or hearing their story. Yeah. We all want to, you know, be interested. So I think that's it. Not thinking that I have to meet 30 people because it's really impossible to make a connection with that many people um, and being curious about the people that are in the room with you. And I think the important piece, you know, that I'm taking away from what you're saying is that whole idea of authentic curiosity. You know, like I think we can all sniff out when someone's asking questions just because they're sort of, it's like they're going through their Rolodex of questions and they're going to go through their three to four and then they're ready to just (laughs) hit you. Yeah. (laughs) But it is, it is genuinely showing up, being you, being amazing. You are someone who is lovely to speak with. You are interested and interesting. And so you're not going in there to find your client or to make your sale. No, it really is about the relationship. So I am far more interested in relationships than in transactions. And so really when I go to a networking event, it's like, oh, I hope to meet some lovely, interesting people and we'll have a chat. And there is no, I'm not looking to get clients. I'm not looking to get referral partners. Quite often that develops over time, but that's not the intention going in. I do think people, I certainly can tell when someone is coming up with like a hard sell and here's my card and, you know how do you do your marketing? Like that turns me off. So I imagine that that would be the case for a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs. Yeah. I wonder, and I mean, I'm famous for going to networking <laughs> events with no cards. People are like, what do you mean you don't have a card? But I like it when I can take their card exactly. because then I can control the conversation That's with right. them and I can up. reach out and it's all about the follow-up. So so let's go back to those initial days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were networking, you were making relationships, people started calling you. Was there a, a a system that you implemented? Yeah. Was there a something that you did that was crucial to your success in terms of the growth that you have experienced? Because you have experienced exponential growth. Yeah, it's going to sound really crazy, but the follow-up, but specifically, I sent cards. I sent cards and brownies to people. Yes. So every time I met someone, 
whether it was a networking event, if someone sent a recommendation, whether, you know, whether the client retained me or not, if someone did a consultation with me, whether they retained me or not, I would always send a note. It was really lovely to meet you at, you know, whatever it was that we talked about. And most times I'd send a little brownie. I didn't have any advertising budget. I had no marketing, but like the marketing budget was the cards, (laughs) the cards and the brownies. But I found that it helped me stand out. Right. In, you know, a sea of emails and Google ads, not a lot of people were sending tangible things that you could open it. And I think does not like to get a brownie. Like I would love for a brownie to show up in the mail. Yeah. Right? So I think it, set, it, it allowed me to stand out with a very limited marketing budget. And I think it also, when I was a litigator and I would ask people, why did you not go to a lawyer beforehand? What came across a lot, yes, it's expensive, but mostly it was just the approachability. People mm. just did not feel comfortable going into these really stuffy offices with people that they thought were going to be condescending. Mm-hmm. And so it was really important to me that people felt that I was approachable and that they, there were no dumb questions and they could ask me anything. And I think having a card and a brownies is kind of kind of homey and cozy, which is, you can see I've got a nice link. But I've got a really comfortable sweater. I'm all about yeah. comfort. Yes. Um, and I wanted people to experience that when they interacted with me. Right. And so that is, you know, I think you're, you know, you're the poster child for networking, but I think really what we're talking about here is the importance of just treating follow-ups and people as true people and helping see them and the importance of how we make them feel with every touch point. And you, you really are shifting um, that paradigm of a classic lawyer in their buttoned up suit and you know every time he picks up the phone he's charging you 500 bucks whereas you're about people first yeah and business will come exactly I was going to say that was the first testimonial I got from my very Mm. first big clients (laughs) the testimonial was first line Andrew treated me like a human being which um, was it was exactly how I wanted her to feel it's a simple statement but right so it works yeah. Now it has works because as I mentioned before, you have high experienced ex- exponential growth over the last couple of years. It hasn't all been smooth though, Andrea. There have been bumps and hurdles and barriers. Could you talk a little bit about maybe some of the biggest barriers that have stood in the way of your growth or, or maybe they didn't stand in the way of your growth? Yeah. So there've been lots of bumps. <laughs> I've seen um, pictures about the entrepreneurial journey where it's like one day you're like really high, like I am crushing this. This is amazing. And then it's like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is horrible. (laughs) And it's back up the next day. And even minute by minute it goes. I've seen that's a great meme. Yeah. But it's so it's so accurate. So I think my first major hurdle was as I mentioned earlier, when the firm was started, it was originally Vauxhall LLP and I had a business partner. Mm -hmm. And about a year, year and a half um, into it, it became really apparent that we were not on the same page and mm-hmm. that I could not continue. Um, and we're still very good friends, but mm-hmm. we just did not make good business partners. And it was really difficult for me, even though I knew that the right decision was to leave. I just, you know, we had talked about this. I just wrapped myself in knots and I felt, mm-hmm. well, you know, what is he going to be able to do after? And I felt kind of responsible. And then you said, and I, I repeat these words to everyone now, they're part of my mantra. I don't want to is a good enough reason. Right. And those words are so liberating because for a long time, I you know needed to justify everything and felt 
very responsible for you know all manner of people around mm-hmm. me besides my children and it really allowed me to say no if this is not in my best interest if this is making me feel stressed and and not happy it's okay to say this relationship is not going to work out yeah. we'll stay friends but we'll go our separate ways but i think that was um one of the big hurdles and then the hits kept on coming so i decided i think in the january of last year to end the business relationship and then the very next month i got diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer mm-hmm. so it was like oh 2019 I remember is, that day <laughs> sorry 2018 yeah. it's going to be an interesting going to be an interesting year and um i called you i think you were the second person that i called yeah. um after i spoke to my family and it's like okay so what i've been doing up to this point can no longer work and up to that point self care was a completely foreign concept to me <laughs> if i was not working i was i was doing something for my children yeah. but the idea of doing something for andrea like stuff that would replenish me or take care of my health or take care of my spirit and my, mm-hmm. my mind did not exist because i felt guilty when i was working i felt guilty that i wasn't spending time with my children and when i was with my children i felt guilty that i wasn't spending time on the business right. and it never would have occurred to me that i needed to spend time on myself on you and so the diagnosis it was it was caught relatively early and i'm doing fine now um, but it really was a wake up call that life is short and you need to listen to your body when it's telling you to slow down right well and take care of yourself and so I think up to that point, I really thought, you know, I have to spend all my time in the business. And the wonderful thing has been that since the diagnosis, I spend, I'd say I spend fewer hours in the business. Mm -hmm. The business has grown exponentially. Right. Right. And a lot of that is because I'm happier and I'm taking care of myself. So I'm more efficient, right? Like an hour now accomplishes more than an hour two years ago when I was running on three, four hours sleep a night. Oh, that's important. <laughs> sleep Did you hear that, really everybody? <laughs> when you are on your game because you're taking care of yourself, spending one hour is the equivalent of two to, I'd even say yeah. three hours yeah. of inefficient time. Exactly. When you're not taking care of yourself. Wow. So that, I love that. So sleep was the first thing to go up. I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. sleep becomes a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, But then just listening, like I think, so lawyers are trained to be very logical and analytical and there's certainly a certain, and I kind of put that on when it's necessary, but I spend a lot more time now listening to my gut, especially when it comes to high level issues. So the types of clients I'm going to work with, the types of projects that I'm going to take on, it's what I've learned is what you don't do is just as important, if not more important than what you do. Um, so being able to say no to the clients or the relationships in general that are draining, saying no to projects that don't fill your soul. I remember we did an exercise. It was a type of um, offering that I really just didn't want to do. And we had gone back and forth and doing the exercise where I thought about my mission statement and what my passion was. Mm-hmm. And once we did that, I was like, well, obviously that's why I don't want to do the service because it has nothing to do with what my mission is. Right? right. And so it became really clear. 
So the big difference in the business, I think, is one, been looking after myself and building a team, but, you know, the driving force of the business is still me. If I'm not healthy, if I'm not well, the business cannot grow. So acknowledging that and sort of viewing self-care as a business investment, one. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, you know, building systems. We spent lots of last year kind of being forced to build those systems because I was going through treatment and so I needed to learn to ask for help building those systems, building the team and really getting very comfortable with saying, no, thank you for things that you didn't want to do. Right. So not having to say yes to every client. Yeah. Every project or every opportunity. Right. Yeah. Um, And again, I used to have fear of missing out when it came to networking events Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. I need to be there. It's something to do with women entrepreneurs. I need to be there. And now, you know, I'll be like, well, I've been away from, you know, home for two nights this week. I really just want to stay in. So no, thank you. Right. No, thank you. That's the key word right there. The two, (laughs) no, I guess that would be three powerful (laughs) words, right? No, thank you. Andrea, I'm hearing the self-care. I'm hearing the the people. Um, I'm hearing the saying yes to passion and no to work that doesn't fill your soul. Part of your journey has also been involving some internal belief systems. You know, those are those are very external systems that you've yes. been working on. Is there one internal belief that you either continue to work on or that you have worked on that is really helping you continue to grow this firm in such a massive way? One of my daily affirmations is, I am a woman who takes excellent care of herself. Yes. And that has made a huge difference in lots of areas. Mm-hmm. With res- and I think it's deeper just than taking care of yourself in terms of exercising or, you know, what you put into your body. But it's the belief that you deserve to be mm-hmm. taken good care of. Right. And so that self-worth, I think, is probably the biggest shift. So, yes, I deserve to take care of myself. Yes. I deserve to earn a good income. I deserve to do that without working 20 hours a day, right? Yes. Yes. Things can be easy. Money can be easy. Abundance can be easy. Yeah. And I think for a long time, I had a lot of issues around money mindset. Mm-hmm. I was in childhood being told, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have yeah. to work hard for everything you have. Yeah. Um, and shifting that has been huge because once you believe that you genuinely deserve it, not that you're entitled to it, but mm-hmm. that you deserve it, it makes a big shift in what you allow into your life. Yes. Earlier this year, I read Gary Hendricks' The Big Leap, yes. which was like, oh my God, right? <laughs> so that idea of the upper limit problem, yeah. for those of you who haven't read the book, please go read it. It's yes, wonderful. we'll put it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks, that's it, sorry. And so he talks about us having a subconscious limit mm-hmm. on how much success and happiness and love and all these other good things come into our life. And so consciously we're like, of course we want more money. Of course we want more success. But on a, on a deeper level, we're not comfortable with it because it's so far outside of what we're accustomed to. Right. So doing some work around that and really being open to abundance, you know, however it shows up, however much shows up, I think has been the biggest internal shift. Good on you. And just so important and such important advice for the listeners. You know, we spend so much time on our external systems, but really it's that internal system that's going to drive and help you make those decisions every day and is really going to help you get to that place where 
you're you're driving your car where you're wanting to go. So let's go back. Just last question before I let you go. Go back to yourself at the startup phase. Go back to you starting out. You just left corporate. You're going out on your own. What's one piece of advice you would tell yourself back at that startup phase? Pay attention to the data. Right. (laughs) Right. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. And I wish that I had paid more attention to the numbers early on. I do now. I've become quite the opposite now where I'm like obsessed with tracking stuff. Yes. Track anything in the beginning. It was essentially, did we have enough clients to pay all our bills this month and not go bankrupt? Okay. And that was the extent (laughs) of the tracking. Yeah. But you can't make good decisions by the seat of your pants. You really have to make data-driven decisions. You should have a gut check, you know, Mm -hmm. what what feels right to you, Mm -hmm. but you can't make good quality decisions if you don't have that data because that data will allow you to find out where are your clients or customers coming from? Mm -hmm. You might think it's coming from this thing that's taking you 20 hours a week or $5,000 a month, (laughs) but really most of your clients is coming from, you know, these two people who you spend 15 minutes with. Right. It helps you to, um, which is really important for self-care and and life balance, you eliminate the things that aren't helpful. Um, The other thing with money and and tracking money, I often felt that I was making more than I actually was when I started looking at the figures. And so being more aware, like whatever you track grows, I genuinely believe. So being more aware of where clients were coming from, where was I seeing interest? Where was I seeing growth? And being able to put more of my energy there yep. and less in areas that weren't doing, you know, driving the business forward as, as much has allowed me to continue to grow the business without feeling exhausted. Right. Most of the time. <laughs> so um, I think what you're talking about is a scorecard. <laughs> so let's be tracking data in terms of okay. revenue, in terms yeah. of lead generation, in terms of hours worked for fulfillment. Exactly. Are there key and pieces of KPI. data? Yeah, I track a lot of things, but I, I track um, social engagement. Yes. I track a number of new eyes on me. So how many new people have come into my sort of sphere, sphere of influence each yeah. month. Yeah. How many sales calls, how many mm-hmm. discovery calls there are. Mm-hmm. I also track because a lot of my business comes from referrals. So I have a CRM system that allows me to see who's sending clients to me, how many people they're sending, how many of those people are converting to clients. Wow. And essentially the average, you know, if they refer to me on average, how much is does that mean for my business? Right. And that allows me then to focus on the really important relationships in my business who are driving the growth revenue, you know, hits to the website. So the marketing and the revenue side of things, but I also track client satisfaction. So how Mm. many clients return, how many clients refer me to other people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, because that's the key indicator of whether the level of service that I'm delivering is good. And if there's a point where I'm not getting referrals from clients where those drop, then I have to look to see what's going on in the back end. Are people not as happy and, and try to fix that as soon as possible? Right. That's awesome. I love that. And, you know, I, I feel like what you've done is taken business growth and just anchored it in the real. It's about people. It's yeah. about you. And it's about data. And those are sort of like the three keys, you know, to business growth growth through the eyes of Andrea Henry. So that's amazing. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been like truth bomb after truth bomb. It's just been fantastic. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it was my pleasure, Sheila. I'm always thrilled to spend time chatting with you.
Awesome. Thanks, lady. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Road to 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.